When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, we have to start with, we finally have an answer to the question that has plagued America since at least 1992. Why does Hillary Clinton wear pantsuits? I've been thinking about it. Thinking of, I, I've been thinking, I haven't thought about this for, I think about it every couple of years, maybe. It's always on my mind. It couldn't just be the fashion. <laughs> it could not. <laughs> It could not. But, you know, Hillary Clinton is on a bit of like a press tour right now for her show Gutsy Women with Chelsea. And there have been, you know, a couple of fun, fun little nuggets. One of them was apart from fashion, of course, she has told CBS News, she told them over the weekend that she switched from skirts to pantsuits after multiple members of the press tried to upskirt her during a seated interview. You you phrased it this way in the newsletter release yesterday. I was like, that can't be. There must be a better way to say what they did. No, they upskirt. They would, she was like, they would crouch underneath me. And then eventually, one of these pictures ended up on a billboard to sell lingerie. What? I didn't even hear that part. No. Or, or okay, one ended up on a billboard and to sell lingerie. I read in the news story, lingerie, billboard, Brazil. That was enough for her to start wearing wow. pantsuits. And thus, thus her pantsuit era began, which continues to this day. I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, I know that we've done a lot of like retroactively thinking about how women were treated in the early 90s, 2000s and stuff. But it's crazy that for a long time, it was actually considered fair game to like try to get a picture up a woman's skirt. And the idea behind it was kind of like, well, you shouldn't have been skirting around <laughs> if you <laughs> if you didn't want to. You had it coming. Oh, I was going to say, skirts are not only mandatory, so you show how girly you are, but then once you do decide to skirt, that automatically means that you want people to take pictures of it. If you didn't, then why did you skirt? It's like, but you just told me I have to wear skirts to be taken seriously? Like, I, wh what's happening here? How did I end up in this cage? And to Precisely. your point, 
as soon as she starts wearing pantsuits, everyone is obsessed with the pantsuits and everybody's talking about the pantsuits and she's not feminine enough because she's wearing the pantsuits. And it's like, people were try- taking pictures of my skirt. <laughs> like, I was, as, I, as I've been sort of absorbing this Hillary Clinton content and we have some more to share, you know, she said I'm not going to run for president again. I'm kind of struck by how, in my view, effectively she's kind of maintained her celebrity for the past couple years. I mean, She's like a not a, not this. I feel like there aren't a lot of former politicians that really have like the goodwill that she she still has, and I find she's just really good at finding the right opportunities to make herself relevant again with with creating new content. And also, you know, there's Trump is unfortunately still relevant again, and that will always make her relevant because he stole the election from her. So it is just so interesting that there was a time when I feel like it was like, oh, Hillary. But now I I just feel like she has these news cycles that put such a nice sheen on her. And I don't know. I'm here for it. I I think it's funny, like, thinking on Hillary. She's like a Barbie in the sense that she's had every job. (laughs) And they run the gamut from so many things. Like, she was the first lady. She was a senator. She was secretary of state. She was a presidential candidate. She was the voice of the giant in an Alabama production of Into the Woods. Like, <laughs> she's got a TV show. She's got a podcast. She's yeah. she's like, <laughs> she, she has every career. Yeah, that's so true. It's so funny. She's like a paper doll Barbie. Yes. I feel like I'm the first person to ever compare Hillary to a Barbie, but there we go. <laughs> It, it feels it feels correct, you know. Both icons, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. we stand. No, but um, I, I think that it's just kind of like interesting that I mean, two things, right? One is that we are constantly doing this cycle of reexamining misogyny. So we pick up, we we mm-hmm. go through periods of like really deep misogyny, and then like we give it twenty years, and all of a sudden everyone's like, "Oh my god." We thought it was okay to upskirt the first lady. Like, think about this. Like, wrap your head around that. Like, oh, totally normal. Totally normal, all you guys. And I remember, I don't know how, when this happened, but like, I remember reading this article that was written. This is like a real throwback. Henry Louis Gates used to do like correspondence and he was traveling with Hillary as first lady. And he wrote this entire profile of her. And at one point, I remember reading this so clearly because it blows my mind. At one point, she uh, she hears had sex with a colleague because it's one of the rumors that's floating around. And she hears has sex with a collie. And she legitimately thought that someone had said that she had fucked a dog. Like, because it was just, that's just, that is just like how bad things had gotten. And he was just watching her, like, just try to absorb yeah. the idea that someone thought that she would like. Not even just like, wait, what did you say? Just like, okay, let me process this. <laughs> Processes because people were that obsessed with saying like crazy things about Hillary Clinton, and now you, she's just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm living my best life. It's also very funny to be saying that Hillary had sex with a colleague in that White House. <laughs> to even care, like I don't know, was he the same yeah. age as her? Then I guess they're she's doing great by the standards of the marriage. That were they on the same? That's power fine. Level? Good for her. like. <laughs> Was he an adult man? Like, okay. Yeah, I think that's so true. It's like she, when she was sort of all the time she has been in public eye, which has been many times and in many iterations, she's often been the first. So we've sort of like experienced how she was treated. And now again, we kind of retroactively do it. It's like how like waves always come back. Like now we're, we're reliving the 90s. 
in our fashion, and we're also reliving it in terms of how society treated Hillary Clinton. She did also say that she was uh, not going to run for president again. I, I am desperate to, you know, when I when I see the second half of a headline say not going to run for president again, there's one gentleman that I, I hope will be at the front, and it is not Hillary Clinton. But she she vowed that she will not run again. And then also last night, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton went on Jimmy Fallon, and Hillary recounted a time when she and Bill accidentally left Chelsea at the Kremlin during a Russian state visit. I'll leave this for our listeners before we go to a break to listen to because it's a bit of a longer clip. But I feel like they had to. The way they did it was that like um, Chelsea wore noise canceling headphones and Hillary would like explain a memory and then Chelsea would have to guess like based on the audience reaction. That's a potentially damning parenting story. I feel like they agreed on that beforehand. Left at the Kremlin. <laughs> left at the Kremlin. We just accidentally left you at the Kremlin. <laughs> she said I, that they were like, they were like, um, okay, go, 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 like shuffled into the, the limo. And then they were like, wait, we don't have our kid. And then it's funny because Chelsea sort of like, she's like, I feel like there's a vibe. Did you, It must be the Kremlin thing. It's very funny. Here, listen to uh, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton on Jimmy Fallon last night. Uh, okay. What is, what is your uh, craziest family vacation memory? Oh, we uh, we had a lot of uh, kind of crazy times. I'll, I'll tell you, I hope she doesn't remember this because it was pretty traumatic. <laughs> Those uh, are the best we, stories. We took her to Russia, Russia, uh, when we went on a state visit when Bill was president. Yeah. And, you know, there's the formal goodbyes. So Bill and I were ushered into the, you know, the beast, the big limousine uh, to head to the airport, not knowing that we had left her behind. I mean, can wow. you imagine leaving wow. my only child in the Kremlin, especially uh, <laughs> with everything that has happened? Very good. Uh, here we go. That's Chelsea- a long answer. No, it's a good, it's a goodie. And, uh, but it doesn't have to be long. Maybe, you know, we added stuff. Maybe. I, know, I was trying to read your lips. No, okay, very But I, I didn't succeed at all. My question was, what's, what's the craziest family vacation memory? Oh, gosh, now I wish we had been, like, chased by a bear or something. Um, Close. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of shock over no, there. No, so no, that's shock. It's not fun. shock. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> when they left me in the Kremlin. <laughs> Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts 
gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. All right, so now to the politicians of of the moment, or or luckily, former politicians. Yesterday was a very special day. Why? Because a federal judge ordered that Cowboys for Trump founder Cooey Griffin, I believe is how it's pronounced, be removed from his position as the former Otero County Commissioner on Tuesday over his participation in the January 6th attack. The judge found that Griffin had indeed engaged in an insurrection during the riot. And I'm not sure if anyone on this podcast before has ever mentioned this little fact that actually you're constitutionally disqualified. Have we ever? (laughs) I don't know. Has anyone ever mentioned this? 11,000 times? Caitlin, congratulations. Thank you. I was, uh, as ever, I believe in, you know, disqualifying public officials who use their office as a means of subverting the government and also (laughs) world peace. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Finally, finally, (laughs) Section 3, 14th Amendment, seven pounds, six ounces, welcomed on. (laughs) So beautiful. So some more details here. A watchdog group and other local groups. Basically, so this guy was charged with his role and sentenced to 14 days in jail. And they allege that this conviction also made Griffin ineligible for public office, according to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which we have been talking about for more than a year now. This portion says it's the disqualification clause, and it bars elected officials from engaging from insurrection or rebellion. That's that's the short portion, but it's a longer section, which also notably says provide aid and comfort to people in an insurrection. So the decision was made by New Mexico District Court Judge Francis Matthew and represents the first time since 1869 that a court has disqualified an elected official over the insurrection rule. First time since 1869. In terms of Griffin's specific role, this is sort of interesting because Griffin didn't like beat up a cop. 
you know, he didn't engage in like hand-to-hand combat on that day. But this judge says that's that's not what that's not what's required here. Uh, you were part of the violence. You normalized and incited the violence leading forward. Your positioning in the mob strengthened the mob. You know, every person that's in a large group eggs each other on, and that is enough. As a result, he cannot hold elected office again. He has been unseated. We are giddy here. And just finally, I loved this quote. I don't know why it made me chuckle, but in response to the ruling, Griffin called the judge tyrannical and said, I'm shocked, just shocked. I really did not feel like the state was going to move on me in yeah. such a way. Move in on him like a bitch, maybe? I don't know where to go from here. What an end to this story. Thoughts and feelings. Not to elected office. That's the, the answer right there. You are never yeah, going to hold I mean, office again, again, I'm sir. like, more of this energy, da, da. please. And also, let's not elect any new people who supported the Capitol insurrection to office. Like, it just, I'm like, it's so great that we're getting people who actually physically went right, to the Capitol and... Maybe, as you said, they weren't engaged in hand-to-hand combat, but they were were present um, (laughs) for the combat that was taking place. What's scary is that it's like the standard shouldn't just be that you physically were there. We have all these people that are running for office that, like, think it was good that it happened and that those people were right. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. great, let's take this energy. Let's expand this energy. Let's... (laughs) Dream big. Yes. Dream big. What I'm thinking about as we enter September, because we're in the post-Labor Day situation, yeah. Liz Cheney has, you know, lost her primary and is talking about starting a pack or whatever. I don't know what she's going to do, but I do know what I want from her, which is now that Republicans have tossed you out on your ass, despite the fact that you are as pretty much politically as fascist as they are, you just don't think that you should... I don't know, violently try to overthrow the government, but you're fine with slowly subverting it. Um, since that is the only difference between you, violence versus nonviolence, I would like her to do the work of rallying popular interest in making January 6th stick. Because now, so back in 1869, I know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to throw this out there, but Historically, the reason why that was done was because you need a combination of Congress and the courts in order to disqualify somebody. So basically, Congress created the 14th Amendment, disqualifies people underneath it, but they kind of didn't know what the mechanism was going to be. So like, um, so can we just say that this person is a traitor and they don't get to run for office? Like, who gets to make that decision? A judge has now said we have a legal framework for January 6th. Were you part of that crowd? Were you inciting that crowd? Were you coordinating with these people? That is a bar. And now we can have Congress say, hey, if you meet any of these criteria, it qualifies you for participating in insurrection. And that means that we could, in theory, pass a law and we should put pressure on Republicans for this one, too, in the Senate, because that's going to be the difference as we ramp up for the Senate campaign. Putting this issue out there and then forcing them to run on it, forcing them to explain why exactly they should be allowing people who decided that we should have a mob storm Congress as an acceptable reaction to an election. Those people should be asked to explain that every day. All the way up through November. Mm hmm. Totally. So. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, 
This news story is paired with President Biden kind of finally publicly acknowledging to some degree, the dangers of the Republican Party. You know, Millie made the point yesterday that the speech was definitely some of the strongest language we've seen from President Biden, but it wasn't necessarily the strongest language that, you know, was available to him in our view. But, you know, do you think do you think we're turning a corner soon where January 6th apologists are just no longer accepted in public life, either by voters or by judges? And do you think, I mean, Elise, you raised the point that I've been thinking about, whereas like, yeah, there's a lot of shitty judges, but I don't, you know... You're right. Like voters can still elect people who were there. But then, Caitlin, once they're elected, if they also have a charge, if they also caught a charge on January 6th, can a citizen group then say, no, 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 you're actually not allowed to be here and we're going to remove you? Uh, Yes, that was the blueprint. That's the plan. You know, you got to this is this is the entry point. The door is open. People, yeah. <laughs> tell them. I, they that's can't what I want to ask you. Like, you. is this a significant? Like, the door is open. This is what we have. Like, do you think there are other judges that have sort of been like, wait, just not wanting to be the first? I, I, I don't know. I think that ultimately, like, you know, people believe things because there's a campaign that like coordinates the effort to get it to believe, be believed. And I think that we're going to have some more January 6th hearings later this month. And mm-hmm. we should start rallying around that idea. You know? Why are they doing those this month? Why? we got enough going on. Uh, it's, like, too much, but also, like, just It's enough. important. Like, it kind of fits Yeah, we need it. That's exactly thing. when we need it. You know, like, I they're kind of getting Joe Biden is like, hey, maybe yeah. these people aren't great. We're like, they're fascists. And he's like, I'm not going to say that because I believe in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to keep a balance and we can like tip the balance on our side. Yeah, I feel like I'm feeling good about the Senate. And also, I just was thinking recently, like, is there anybody more irrelevant right now than a Senate Republican? Like they're not doing shit. Like what? You haven't heard about Mitch McConnell for a minute. They just lay back and wait until they can steal back power. But in the meantime, they're just coasting. They're just quiet quitting. Irrelevant. <laughs> When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. 
So we we want to end by reflecting on probably one of the biggest news stories in the world last week, and that was Serena Williams' final performance at the U.S. Open. She has signaled that it was also her final like big tournament. Five million people watched her last match last Friday, and she lost to an Australian player. I mean, she had already said she was going to evolve past tennis, but I just imagine being the one to end Serena Williams' career. Like, it was going to be a game at that tournament. <laughs> Williams won her first U.S. Open in 1999, and that was 23 years ago. She has been playing professional tennis for 25 years. That's just insane. That's such a long time to do anything, let alone something that that like physically demanded, but it's, I think it's, it's crazy to think that she's not just retiring from the sport, but she has been such a prism for so many like important conversations about race, about gender, about power, about belonging. So it's, it's a big, I don't say it's a big loss because she's already given so much, but it feels, it feels like a big, a big shift. Caitlin, what was it like, you know, watching her from in New York last week? Uh, it was wild. I just want to say, uh, Isla Tamjanovic, um, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I just said so, Australian player. Uh, she did an amazing job. Uh, I've been a tennis fan. I started playing tennis the year after Serena went pro, actually. Um, really? So I was a little girl running around with a little black girl running around with a tennis racket, and people were very confused um, until Serena, Venus and Serena started winning. Um, and it was, it just, it was just great to see she, she gave a lot for that match. And, you know, I've been watching since cause I'm a tennis fan, but you know, <laughs> she taught the girlies well, you know, we're, I'm watching these matches. People are putting together points that really show like how much you change the sport because it is a power game. People are doing crazy trick shots and, and you should definitely continue still watching tennis just even without Serena there, because it's it, she she fundamentally altered the sport, and um, yeah, she's incredible. There's really nothing more to say. Okay, I guess we don't have much to say today. I really enjoyed the interviews that she's been having. I mean, the one thing that I that has stuck with me through the interviews that she's been doing recently is, um, I guess she's like a Grand Slam or one or two Grand Slams short of like the record or something. There's there's some record that she in her big kind of interview that she was talking about where she kind of announced that this was going to be her last this was going to be the end. She was retiring. There, There is a record that she didn't meet. And she was kind of talking about like, yeah, I'm going to have to accept that that's one thing that I didn't do. And like, do I wish that I could go out and get it? Yeah. But others, like I have to focus on other parts of my life. And it was just so interesting to hear about someone who's like basically considered to be one of the greatest athletes of all time, greatest in her sport. One, one of the greatest athletes we've watched in our lifetimes perform to still actually have like unachieved a goal or like to still have the, the fact that Serena Williams even has anything that she's like, I wish I could have done this other thing or whatever. I don't know. It like makes me feel peace about the things in my own life where I'm like, man, I wish I could have gotten that job or I wish I could have done that. It's like even Serena friggin' Williams has to like recalibrate what she wants and change her life based on like, you know, she's she's a mother now. She has she has other her priorities have shifted and uh, I was gonna say I think she did she did things in her career that probably people that did 
did achieve that, did not. Like she had a super challenging pregnancy and birth and became a mom. She dealt with systemic racism the whole time. She really had injuries that held her back. So like there are so many things that like she did do and barriers that she did overcome. But um, yeah, I just can't imagine doing that to your body for t- for 25 years on top of everything else that mm-hmm. she did. And she's just built such a incredible, I mean, she's just, she's got her hands in so many businesses She's probably so much richer than you even think. She's an incredible kind of like angel investor for a lot of, you know, really diverse and inclusive companies. So it's exciting to see her become, you know, the force that she is in society. Like she's long been so much more than an athlete. Yeah. And I also wanted to say just really quick that um, like you, one of the things that has always been argued about her, because like everything that she's done, there's always been some oh, argument yeah. as to why yeah, it doesn't yeah. count as like the greatest or whatever. That's almost always what happens when you get Lizzie's greatest conversations. And so many guys are like butthurt over the fact that like we pretty much named a woman as the greatest athlete of a generation. And I would like to point out that uh, she won a her that 23rd uh, Grand Slam championship, which is an open era record. I want to be clear. Margaret Court who has the 24, she played basically, it was yeah. super segregated. It doesn't count is basically the, the rule on most of her majors. Um, so, you know, she, Serena is the one who's done it at the top of the competition. And she won that last one while pregnant. I don't think we're going to see a men champion meet that record no. for a very <laughs> long time. If ever. So I just feel very comfortable saying (laughs) that like she's done something that like literally no man could like, like you're not going to see a man pull that off. Like it's just not, it's unlikely to ever happen. Something I do that pisses men, some men off is that I do not follow sports. I not really, sometimes I'll get into like, you know, women's soccer or the world cup, but, um, I'll be like, well, you know, Serena Williams is the greatest athlete of all time. And I know I'm right, even though I, I don't have a knowledge of sports. And to see them be like, but you don't know. you don't. I'm like, I, yeah, but we just come on. Like, it's fact. We all know. <laughs> we know. I don't need to. This is a rare case but where I don't need to, like, girlsplain myself. I just know. I can be the one. And this is a rare time. I can have a, absolutely no expertise on the issue. But I just know she is the best. Thank you for that, Serena. It is very much that thing of, like, you know, things men can do, women can do backwards and in heels. But right. in Serena's case, it's like she can do it right. pregnant and in a skirt. Like, it's like they couldn't – like, it's hard to even match her up to – like, it would be hard to match what she's done up to even a male tennis player just because, again, yeah, she, like – she played pregnant. She played postpartum. She played, like – Yeah, she got told she, she couldn't when wear – she had to yeah. wear – yeah, the little skirt and everyone was like mad at her about the skirt. Like she's had she's played while people stared at her body in ways that male tennis players will never have their bodies policed or looked at or watched in any way. And like she was booed. She was still so the best. frequently. She like people forget the beginning of her career. People did not want her to win. And they were actively trying to like mess up her game, mess up her points. Wow. You know, the things that they say now at the, you know, US Open where people are like cheering double faults, like People were cheering her faults, her first fault. They would, they were trying to to throw her off, and there was no coaching, so she had to do that all on the court by herself. And she did it. She not only did that, she like achieved literally every possible level of greatness you can achieve in tennis. Like if there's a standard, she's basically like she's up there on every single stat. 
Just, I just imagine those bookends of your career is starting with that and being booed and then just seeing the videos from, from, from Arthur Ashe and just so many people there, just so hyped to be there for her, just like grown men just completely fangirling over her was just like felt special, but also important to remember, like she, she did that. She had to, she wasn't always given, given that much, given that much grace, but it was really just such a such a great collective moment for us all. Thank you, Serena. I think at 1.7 million people were watching her final match, which like smashed all ESPN records of like all time and their doubles match with Venus smash records too. Oh, I just, I'm just so happy for her. I'm like sad too. It's just like, it's like a Paul, like the, the, the second week has just been like, oh, we, we miss like vintage Serena just cracking mm-hmm. up the, the quarters and the semis and, you know, threatening again. She like made four major finals after pregnancy. Okay. Four major finals after pregnancy and could not clinch 24. But like, girl, we all know that yeah, those know. were yours to, to have. Like, frankly, you know, we know that she's just like always topping it up. And I think that it just like inspired so many women athletes, just women, just women to like, just don't apologize. You know, just do yeah. what you are best at and believe completely in your ability to be the best at it. So true. And like Beyonce says, I'm one of one. I'm number one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I certainly can't add to that. I will not yes and that. That is the end of our show today. We will be back tomorrow. As always, if you love the show, please leave us a five-star review. Just leave us a five-star one. If you're not going to leave a five-star, then you know what? You can bite your tongue. It's okay. Leave a five-star yeah, one. You can also just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or just say nothing. Just say nothing. You know, just say nothing. Five or nothing would be great. But please give us a five star review and tell us why you love us. It really helps people discover the show. And this is really our moment ahead of midterms is when we can pick up a lot of listeners. And the more listeners we pick up, it's it's just the more money we make and the more that we can do. The more we can do, the more content we can make, the more live shows we can do, and we can just make more free content for you. So just leave us a quick review. It helps us quite a bit. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.